Welcome to Booking Like a Mark. We rewrite past storylines, create new matches and PLEs, and make our own gimmicks and characters. It's not just fantasy booking. This is Booking Like a Mark. Welcome to another episode of Booking Like a Mark. I'm your host, Mark, and this week we are going to finish our NWO storyline from 2002. If you'd like, please go check us out on Acast or Spotify and listen to part one. Quick recap, our big thing here is that we want the NWO to still look strong. Within the first month of the NWO debuting for real in the WWF, they were made to look extremely weak. At WrestleMania, Scott Hall lost to Stone Cold in what was a glorified handicap match with how much Kevin Nash got involved. Then later in the night, Hulk Hogan lost to The Rock and turned face, which would be fine, except they then buried Nash and Hall because they came out and Hogan and The Rock beat them up. Coming out of WrestleMania now, it was just Hall and Nash representing the NWO, and they looked really awful. They looked like the weakest tag team, and I wouldn't actually be surprised if the next night on Raw, they had lost to Billy and Chuck, or the Hardy Boys, or any other tag team, because these guys were not being presented as main eventers anymore. The NWO experiment and the WWF had pretty much already failed after that first month. In our version, we tried to strengthen the NWO. We did this in a couple different ways. There were a lot of different props used in the original storyline. For instance, Hulk Hogan at one point hit The Rock with a hammer. At a different point, Scott Hall hit Stone Cold with a wrench. We're trying to consolidate that. We're trying to just use one signature weapon for the NWO. So we gave them the black baseball bat. And a couple of times in part two, that black baseball bat may make another appearance as the signature weapon of the New World Order. Another way we tried to make them look strong was we did not have them in some of the sillier stories. Originally, there was a period of time where the NWO was cutting an apology, quote-unquote, for what they did to The Rock with the tractor trailer, and Stone Cold came out, and the three members of the NWO ran away. That made them look extremely weak. They had a three-on-one advantage, and here they were running away. They also had a time when they were trying to get the jump on Stone Cold after, on Raw, they had injured him with a cinder block to the knee. On the following SmackDown, Stone Cold was able to get the jump on Scott Hall and Kevin Nash when he took out a net gun and tied up Kevin Nash. These sillier aspects are not included in our story. So, pretty much we're coming out of WrestleMania now with the NWO looking as strong as possible. In our booking, we had Kevin Nash face Stone Cold instead at WrestleMania because Kevin Nash was more of a main eventer. He had had a historic reign as the WWF champion, and on top of that, he had multiple reigns as the WCW heavyweight champion. It just made a little bit more sense than having Scott Hall, who was an upper mid-carder, against Stone Cold. In our booking, Kevin Nash loses to Stone Cold, but Scott Hall does not come out to interfere, so it is one-on-one, which kind of protects Kevin Nash a little bit. He just loses in a hard-fought match. As I said, Hulk Hogan would still lose to The Rock, and he could still have his face moment afterwards, but in between those two matches, we actually added a little match, where the NWO, Nash and Hall, defeat the APA, for the WWF Tag Team Championships after the APA wins it in the Four Corners Elimination Tag Match. Sure, they lose Hogan, but the NWO is the WWF Tag Team Champions, so at least they've got some momentum, and they weren't completely embarrassed by The Rock and Hogan. So, here we go. Part 2. We've laid it out for you, we've given you a quick recap, 
Now let's continue and rebook the NWO in 2002. The following booking has been paid for by the New World Order. We ended with Raw after WrestleMania. Now we're jumping to the SmackDown after WrestleMania, March 21st, 2002. We're going to pretty much keep the Hulk Hogan interaction with Vince McMahon backstage intact. By this point, the draft has already been announced, and Vince approaches Hulk Hogan and offers to make him the number one pick. But we're still going to have a good amount of tension, because, as a reminder, we never know in our storyline if Vince McMahon is the one responsible for bringing in the NWO. At the end of this segment, though, in real life, Hulk Hogan said to Vince that he was going to stick around and watch the show, even though he wasn't scheduled for a match. In our version, Hulk Hogan is going to leave the arena for the night. This will keep Hulk Hogan from interfering or being involved in the main event match between Kevin Nash and The Rock. In another backstage segment, Nash and Hall are preparing for the main event when security comes in with Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Ric Flair tells the NWO that they will be drafted as a unit and that Hall is going to be banned from ringside when Nash faces The Rock. Ric Flair also lets Scott Hall know that at Backlash, it will be Scott Hall going one-on-one with Ric Flair. Because, in our storyline, Ric Flair was the one who got attacked by the tractor trailer, and Scott Hall was the one driving. So this is picking up that loose thread from part one. After informing the NWO of all this, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson leave. Later in the night, Billy and Chuck hire Rico, still as their stylist. We're trying to maintain the continuity of the year. Rico is a big part of the Billy and Chuck presentation, but in our case, he's going to join them because they're looking to fix their image after their WrestleMania loss. So it'll still make sense why they would bring Rico on. In the main event, Kevin Nash defeats The Rock, thanks to interference from X-Pac. After the match, Scott Hall joins Nash and X-Pac because he was banned from ringside during the match, now he's clear, and the three of them attack The Rock until Ric Flair leads a team of superstars to the ring and the NWO escape through the crowd. The following Monday is the WWF Draft. A lot of it we're going to keep in place, but we are going to make just a couple of changes to the draft in the first five spots. Number one to SmackDown is still going to be The Rock, but the number one pick for Raw is going to be Hollywood Hogan. Kurt Angle will be the second pick for SmackDown, while the NWO will be the second pick for Raw. Undertaker, who was initially drafted first to Raw in real life, in our version, is going to be drafted third to SmackDown, while Kane is the third pick for Raw. Chris Benoit will still be drafted to SmackDown, but in our version, he will be the fourth pick instead of the third, and Rob Van Dam will still be drafted to Raw as it happened in real life. The last big change is in the number five spot, the APA is going to be drafted to SmackDown, because in our version of the draft, we're going to keep tag teams together. And on that note, to Raw will be drafted the Dudley Boys. So this way, we've moved the APA away from the NWO because we're going to have that rematch and then the APA will be done with their involvement in the storyline. We're also going to keep Hollywood Hogan kind of hovering with the NWO storyline. So that's why we actually had Hogan drafted to Raw as opposed to The Undertaker. Now, over the next couple of shows, we are still going to try to line up things where we'll have a pretty similar card to what Backlash was in real life, but we are going to have just a couple of slight changes. So let's continue with that draft show. Instead of the handicap tag match that they did in real life of Hogan and The Rock versus the NWO, we're going to have Rock go one-on-one with X-Pac. He's going to win that match, and then the NWO is going to attack afterwards, when Kane will come out and make the save. The NWO will kind of still be beating up though Kane and The Rock a little bit, it's going to be kind of evenly matched, until Hulk Hogan comes out, at which point the NWO just clears out of the ring. 
on the following SmackDown, instead of the six-man tag of Rock Hogan and Kane versus the NWO, we there have that WWF Tag Team Championship rematch, where the Outsiders defeat the APA. Instead of Rob Van Dam defending the Intercontinental Championship against Test, he faces X-Pac. The NWO member gets himself disqualified when he hits Rob Van Dam with that damn black baseball bat. On the first Raw of the brand split era, Ric Flair presents the WWF Undisputed Championship belt to Triple H, and the NWO come out to the stage. They congratulate Triple H and talk about the click, because the current NWO in this lineup right now is Nash, Hall, and X-Pac. The only one who's missing at this point from the original click is Shawn Michaels. The NWO enters the ring, with Scott Hall carrying a baseball bat and X-Pac carrying a can of spray paint, and they offer membership to Triple H and insinuate that he should brand that belt and become the NWO Undisputed Champion. Kevin Nash says all Triple H has to do is take out Ric Flair, who is at this point still in the ring from the presentation of the belt to Triple H. Triple H, who by this point has been handed the ball bat, drops the weapon and talks about how much he respects Flair and that he's not going to take out Flair. Scott Hall decides to take a cheap shot on Flair, and Triple H pushes Hall down. Flair grabs the bat, and he hits Nash in the arm. The NWO escapes, leaving Triple H and Ric Flair in the ring. Now, if you go back in history, that would have been the night that the NWO would have gotten into an altercation with Bradshaw in real life, and that's where Kevin Nash suffered a mild injury to his arm. In our version, he's going to be injured by Ric Flair hitting him with the baseball bat. So we're still going to try to maintain that injury because it does keep him off TV and out of competition for a while. So we want to stay true to that. That show is going to close with Ric Flair still signing Stone Cold to Raw. So Stone Cold will be a big piece of the Raw roster and a big piece of our NWO storyline going forward. On the first SmackDown of the brand split era, Vince McMahon opens the show. He announces that he put an insurance plan in motion in case Austin didn't sign to SmackDown. When Stone Cold was still a quote-unquote free agent, Vince booked him in a match for Backlash against The Undertaker. The Undertaker approaches Vince, and he says he doesn't care about Stone Cold. He wants a title shot at Backlash. And Vince offers him a deal. If he beats Stone Cold, he will become the number one contender for the WWF Undisputed Championship. Another small tweak that we make to the draft is that while Vince McMahon gets the first pick, Ric Flair's Raw will get to name the first number one contender. So... Ric Flair opens this episode of Raw to announce the number contender. Unfortunately, because Stone Cold is booked in a match, he can't make Stone Cold the number contender. And there's no chance he'll let the NWO near the Undisputed Championship. So since there's no other options, he is going to have Triple H challenged by Hulk Hogan. Later in the night, the NWO lure Kane into an attack backstage, but do not unmask him. That was kind of a weird aspect where the NWO beat down Kane, and then X-Pac took his mask and started wearing it. We're not going to do that. But we are still going to have them attack Kane backstage and take him out. Instead of using a 2x4 though and a pipe, the NWO is going to use, you guessed it, the black baseball bats. After they kind of take Kane out, they're going to be looking at their handiwork. But they're slowly going to back away as we see that Hulk Hogan has entered the shot. Again, we keep having this where Hulk Hogan is going to make saves but he's not going to make contact with the NWO. They're just going to back away out of respect or fear. We don't know. We just know we're not seeing any physical, actual confrontations between Hulk Hogan and the NWO. After the assault on Kane, Ric Flair is going to come up to the NWO, and he is going to have security 
escort Kevin Nash and X-Pac from the building. Because Stone Cold is going one-on-one with Scott Hall, and he'll be damned if the NWO interferes again. But we're not going to suspend Kevin Nash. In real life, it was done so they could cover his injuries so he wouldn't be appearing on the shows. But in story, it doesn't make any sense, because Kevin Nash was not the only one who staged the attack. If anything, you would also punish Scott Hall. So it seems very weird to suspend only Nash, so we're not going to do it. He has an injured arm. He could still make appearances on Raw, even just in a backstage capacity. So we're going to leave Nash in play. In that main event of Stone Cold versus Scott Hall, we're going to have Austin go over. No NWO, no interference, no problems. We're going to protect Scott Hall a little bit because he's just going to lose clean, again, just like WrestleMania. I feel like Stone Cold beating him is not a game changer. But Stone Cold beating him with a bunch of interference from the NWO is what would be overkill. So it's just one fall to the finish. Scott Hall loses. That's fine. We'll move on. SmackDown, April 11th, 2002, does not actually affect our storyline at all, so we'll skip that show. We're going to move to Raw, April 15th of 2002. That show is going to open with a contract signing for the WWF Undisputed Championship match at Backlash. While Triple H is in the ring, Hulk Hogan is going to come out in his red and yellow. After they each talk about how much they respect each other, the NWO are going to come out, including Kevin Nash. They want a tag match with Hogan and Triple H, but Flair tells them no. Instead, they're going to defend the WWF Tag Team titles against Ric Flair and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Later in the show, a paid advertisement by the New World Order is shown, talking about a recruitment drive. And Nash says they have a big surprise planned for Backlash. In the main event, Scott Hall and X-Pac retain the WWF Tag Team Championship when Hall pins Flair. After losing, Stone Cold Steve Austin stuns Ric Flair while the NWO laugh on the stage. Now, if the commentators do it right, they could talk about maybe Stone Cold is going to be the big surprise for the NWO. Maybe his act of defiance is him joining. Or it could be anyone else. What exactly does an NWO recruitment drive look like? Now, you may be asking, why are Scott Hall and X-Pac able to defend the tag team titles when it's technically Scott Hall and Kevin Nash as the champions? Well, we're going to go with the old school Freebird rule. That may come into play later as we add more members to the NWO, but any two members will be able to defend the tag team championships, as long as the NWO holds them. Once we get to Backlash, Ric Flair arrives at the arena to see NWO recruitment posters all over the building. The Big Show approaches him and offers to back him up, since Kane was taken out. Which makes sense. Don't forget, a big reason why Ric Flair and Storyline drafted Kane to Raw was to keep the NWO in check. So when a different giant comes up to him, Obviously, Ric Flair would jump at the opportunity to have the Big Show have his back. So we're going to actually have Big Show kind of take on that cane role. Maybe. During the match between Ric Flair and Scott Hall, Big Show will be in the corner of the Nature Boy, while X-Pac will be in the corner of Scott Hall. Ric Flair is going to lock Scott Hall in the figure four, but before Hall can tap, the Big Show is going to pull the referee out. While Ric Flair's back is turned and he's focusing on the Big Show, asking him why he interfered like that, X-Pac is going to hit him in the kidneys with that damn baseball bat. Hall's going to recover, hit the razor's edge, and pin Ric Flair. After the match, Big Show is going to give Flair a chokeslam, and commentary is going to hype up that the Big Show must have been the big surprise. In the main event, Chris Jericho and Undertaker are not going to appear. Jericho will have his promo as he did in real life, complaining about not being on the card, 
while The Undertaker is going to beat Stone Cold with the same finish that happened in real life. The ref isn't going to see Austin's foot on the ropes. This will make Undertaker the number one contender. The only difference really in that match is that it won't have Ric Flair as the referee. It'll just be any of the random referees in the WWF. But that's going to set the stage for that main event, when we have Hollywood Hulk Hogan in the red and yellow against Triple H for the WWF Undisputed Championship. It's going to be a back-and-forth match, just like in real life. But instead of, as we said, Chris Jericho and The Undertaker interfering, we're going to have the NWO's music hit. And Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, X-Pac, and The Big Show are slowly going to make their way to ringside. As they're coming down the stage, Triple H is going to leave the ring and grab a sledgehammer. Hulk Hogan is going to leave the ring and get a steel chair. They're both going to get back in the ring, anticipating the NWO coming in and attacking them. Triple H is going to be a little bit in front of Hogan, though. And in the big twist, the actual big surprise, Hulk Hogan is going to hit Triple H in the back with the steel chair. He's going to do it multiple times. Then he is going to hit one leg drop, and then a second, just like at Bash at the Beach 1996, when Hogan originally joined the NWO. The NWO is going to take the referee, who by this point must have been taken out if there's all this interference, and they're going to throw the referee back in the ring. And they're going to celebrate as the referee makes the pin. One, two, three. And Hulk Hogan is going to be rejoining the NWO as the leader. In a big swerve, he is going to be the WWF Undisputed Champion, and they are going to brand that belt NWO. Now, that actually explains a lot of these things that we've been doing behind the scenes. It also, in a very weird way, actually kind of stays true to what the WWF was doing with the NWO. If you remember when the NWO debuted at No Way Out, they had that very weird fake promo where they were talking about how they really just wanted to do what was best for the fans and that they were so grateful to be back and they were very disingenuous. After they took out the rock with the tractor trailer, they gave their public apology, which is very disingenuous. And we're actually going to have the same thing here. Hogan will have pulled the long con. He will have convinced everyone that he had turned good to position himself for that title opportunity, but he never really left the NWO. That explains why they were never making physical contact. That explains why the night after WrestleMania in the tag match, as soon as Hogan was tagged in, the NWO walked away. That explains why, when Kane and The Rock were being beaten up by the NWO, as soon as Hogan came out, the NWO walked away. And after the NWO took out Kane backstage, as soon as Hogan arrived, the NWO backed away. Because they were never enemies. They were just playing the fans. So this actually allows WWF to still sell a lot of the merchandise from the Hogan nostalgia tour of the red and yellow, but you now have coming out of Backlash an NWO that has beaten the main figure on Raw and Authority of Ric Flair, they are still your WWF Tag Team Champions, and they now have the WWF Tag Team Championship. Plus, because we didn't lose people, because we haven't taken Nash out for suspension, and because Hogan has rejoined them, we have an NWO that is five people strong, with a lot of the gold. And we have exactly what the NWO should have been the whole time, a powerful force coming out of this. We even have enemies lined up for them, because we have them on Raw where Ric Flair is still going to be pissed at these developments. We're going to have Stone Cold, who's on Raw, who has problems with the NWO. We're going to have The Undertaker on SmackDown, who's the number one contender who's going to have a problem. 
Plus, Triple H is going to be pissed. So we have set up a lot of different storytelling potential, but we have an actual main event level NWO that we can all take seriously. The good news is that we revitalized the NWO storyline. The bad news is the NWO, no matter what we did, was going to have a shelf life. If you look forward, Hulk Hogan is still going to leave in August because he had problems over pay with Vince McMahon. Scott Hall, shortly after this backlash event, is going to be released because he can't contain his personal demons. Kevin Nash, who has the arm injury right now in our storyline, is going to come back and get injured. He's going to tear his quad in the big tag match on Raw. So you're going to lose him. So by SummerSlam, you will have lost these three original members anyways. And the NWO is not going to be able to maintain itself as a tag team of just X-Pac and Big Show. So we're going to do a little speed round. We're just going to kind of paint how some things might go over the months after that. I would actually have Hollywood Hogan hold on to the belt longer than just the one month. The Undertaker would still challenge him, but because of NWO shenanigans, Undertaker would lose. Triple H would get a rematch at King of the Ring. Unfortunately, again, with NWO shenanigans, he would lose that match. That takes us all the way to Vengeance. At Vengeance, I would do a rematch between Hollywood Hogan and The Rock, one-on-one, and by then I would have all these other people getting involved in the NWO storyline, mitigating the interference, and I would have The Rock beat Hogan for the belt in the big WrestleMania rematch, and this sets it up so you can still have The Rock have that short title reign that ends when he gets beaten by Brock Lesnar. So we're going to kind of maintain the timeline that way. We're going to have the NWO eventually lose the tag team titles to Goldust and Booker T. Now we're going to slightly flip the dynamic here. We're going to have Goldust join the NWO, but it's going to be kind of as an unofficial member. He's going to consider himself NWO Golden Black, and he's going to spray paint things with the gold paint, and he's going to be Hogan's biggest fan, quoting lines from different Hulk Hogan movies. So it's going to actually reinforce kind of the old school Goldust motif of him being obsessed with films. And we're still going to have some of those comedy segments, but it's going to be Booker T trying to save Goldust from the NWO. And eventually it's going to lead to them challenging for and winning the Tag Team Championships. We're not going to have Shawn Michaels join the group, because that kind of came out of left field, and he doesn't really kind of fit with the group if we still have Hulk Hogan as the leader, and Kevin Nash still appearing as the second in command. So, the NWO is going to kind of stay that small group. It's mainly going to be four guys after Hall leaves, kind of have Goldust as that extra body, kind of just that they send him out for matches they don't want to participate in, or they just kind of use and manipulate him. But I think it'd be kind of cool to see Goldust in a golden black NWO shirt, and maybe with like a gold baseball bat as his weapon of choice. So that's how we would do the NWO in 2002. We've tried to make them look a little bit stronger. We actually kind of have them do that by having multiple championship wins. We have them be a strong unit. We can still have some fun storylines with Booker T and Goldust, and we're going to protect the mystique of the NWO. We're not going to have it be a train wreck like it was in real life. How did we do? Please find us on X and Facebook and comment, and let us know what you think of how we did. Next week, we're going to have a very cool show. We're actually going to relook at the WrestleMania 4 WWF Championship Tournament, but if that was as an Elimination Chamber match instead of a tournament to determine a new WWF Champion. So that should be pretty unique. It's a different kind of concept that we're going to try out. We're also going to have Elimination Chamber predictions with Eric and myself. We're going to see who comes out on top, Rick 8-Bit or Booking Like a Mark. So join us next week for all that good stuff. And remember... It's not just fantasy booking, this is Booking Like a Mark.